This is The God Show, a conversation about the human spirit, with your host, Pat McMahon. (laughs) We're going to do it again, aren't we? Uh, That's right, you and me, wherever you are. I happen to be headquartered with this program, as it has been for years and years and years, in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, we are heard around the world, and we really are heard. Uh, it's amazing to me uh, uh, the, the variety of cultures uh, that will spend an hour, almost always the entire program, with us uh, in Asia and Europe and uh, island nations and, of course, across the United States. And in this case... quite a large contingent of Canadians because we have a Toronto lady with us, Gabrielle Earnshaw, who is representing somebody else, uh, an author not representing himself because he passed away about 23 years ago, and that author is Henry Nowen. Gabrielle Earnshaw, his editor and uh, someone who is been really a historian uh, for his works for every good reason. And you're going to find out the good reasons as we continue with a conversation with Gabrielle Earnshaw. Gabrielle, tell us right off the top who Henry Nowen was. All right. Well, and first I want to say thank you for inviting me on your show. Absolutely. Uh, Henry Nouwen was a Dutch Catholic priest. He was born in 1932 and died in 1996. He was ordained in Holland, um, and then he studied psychology, which was a bit different for priests at that time. After his um, education for priesthood, he he took a, a master's degree in psychology, and through that work, ended up in the United States on the faculty at Notre Dame University. Notre Dame had just started a psychology department, and Henry was invited to to uh, be on the, be in the department there. And then he went on to teach at uh, Yale Divinity School and Harvard Divinity School. So for the for sort of about twenty five years, he was an academic. He was teaching. He wouldn't he wouldn't call himself a theologian. He was he was teaching about the spiritual life. Um, one of his most popular courses was called Introduction to the Spiritual Life. And um, and that's really where he he um, made the most impact with his with his work and as a teacher. And then um, what Henry did, which was quite unusual, is he left his tenured position at Yale to be a missionary in Peru. And he thought that perhaps his calling was not no longer in the academic environment, but to be but to be with the poor, the poorest of the poor in in Peru. Um, but when he got there, he found out he was not suited for the work at all. And then he went back to Harvard, and only a year, only to find that a year later he would leave again, leaving another tenured position to join a community called L'Arche, which is a community that was started by a Canadian, Jean Vanier for people with mental and physical disabilities. And he joined a community in Tor- just north of Toronto called L'Arche Daybreak, and that's where he lived the last 10 years of his life as a pastor. Uh, the, uh, the book that we're talking about uh, today, uh, along with all of his other works, but the most recent uh, was written when? Following Jesus. 
So Following Jesus, which was published just this fall in 2019, is based on a series of lectures that Henry Nouwen gave at Harvard Divinity School in 1985. And he was the author of The Prodigal Son. I think that that may be one of his best-known works. Uh, How else might our audience know Henry? And by the way, it is spelled Henri, Henry, H-E-N-R-I. Nguyen, Nguyen, N-O-U-W-E-N. We probably should spell it a couple of times through the broadcast uh, because otherwise our audience won't be able to find it. Uh, But Following Jesus is the most recent work. What else has he done? Well, that's a great question. He he actually wrote 39 books before his death in 1996. Mm. And um, they really, as I, as I said before, they were really focused on the spiritual life. Um, but probably the book that put him on the map was a book about, um, I, I didn't mention earlier, but he, he also spent some time in, at the Abbey of the Genesee considering a vocation as a monk. And he wrote Genesee Diary, which was similar to a book that Thomas Merton had written about, um, about entering, entering the, the, uh, the monk, you know, becoming a monk. Yes. And, um, and so th- this book really, um, I would say the Genesee Diary put him, Henry Nouwen on the map for Americans predominantly. And then he wrote a book called The Wounded Healer, which um, is based on a Jungian, a Jungian term or even an archetypal term about the wounded healer. But Henry Nouwen looked at the wounded healer through the prism of, of, of Jesus' teachings, through the prism of Christianity. And that book continues to be um, one of his most important books. It's studied in seminaries and uh, on, in divinity schools. But probably his most um, his, his po- most popular book is The Return of the Prodigal Son, A Story of Homecoming, which he wrote in 1992, four years before he died. And it really is the culmination of, of all of his experience as a Christian and, he, and how he does it, how he, um, how he sort of summarizes this is through um, looking at the painting of Rembrandt, of Rembrandt's painting of the the parable, the return of the prodigal son. So Henry Nouwen uses the painting, Rembrandt's life, and the parable to to sort of um, explore and and um, communicate how he has how he has lived his life as a as a Christian. A remarkable and prolific life with thirty books, uh, an extraordinary level of influence uh, throughout his uh, contacts with the extremely poor in Peru and the highest level of leadership throughout so many different countries of the world. Uh, Of course, obviously impressive in that he's been both involved, uh, involved with both Harvard and Yale. However, I must tell you, I have, I have at least a small bias and I say small with false humility I have a very large bias in his association with Notre Dame because I'm a Notre Dame father. My son went there. And, ah, okay. and, and when you're talking about anybody who has been on the campus at South Bend, automatically there is a certain level of superiority, we assume, uh, that just <laughs> it just happens spiritually 
athletically and academically. That's that's <laughs> I'll my leave sermon. That to you to say. That's okay. my sermon on on behalf of the Notre Dame Irish. Uh, when I was talking with the, the the people though that had been influenced by him, they range from the Secretary General of the United States of the United Nations, Secretary General of the United Nations, all the way across the spectrum to Mr. Rogers, the PBS children's show host. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Henry, Henry, although he was a Catholic priest, he wouldn't, he, not very many people called him father now, and he didn't wear the clerical collar. He, he wasn't, he wasn't, um, I wouldn't say his interests ran in, in, in the direction of dogma, creeds, and doctrine. What he was mostly interested in, and in fact what really was his passion, was under, understanding how do we live a good life while we're here. And, and, he, and he was imbued with Jesus' teachings, and he explored Jesus' teachings on that and then brought alongside many people who also had that same question. How do I live? How do I love? How do I forgive? How do I, um, how do I turn my resentments into love? How do, I, um, uh, how do I be a good husband? How do I be a good wife or parent or brother or sister? And, and these, so he, his, his interests and his passion were very much, um, I would say, what everyone um, who who is looking for meaning in their life is uh, they're asking the same questions, and he then used his he he was a very um, educated man. He had um, you know several degrees. He was very scholarly and well learned. But he and he used all of these all of this learning to to help people find their own answers to to their questions. And he used his own life and his own experience in a very personal way and in a very vulnerable way. Um, often people would say, you know, how did you know the map of my heart when they heard him speaking about his? Because he had this, he had this way, he understood that what is the most uh, personal is the most universal. So he used his own experience, his own life, his own fears, his own struggles to explore the questions that many around him were exploring. This is The God Show. I'm Pat McMahon, and we're speaking with Gabrielle Earnshaw, who is speaking for the life of Henry Nowen, author, and most recently, the, uh, the book that has been uh, published and released, a number of his essays uh, in a book called Following Jesus, uh, but by the way, the influence that he had that I was talking about that was so far-reaching, Gabrielle, um, his influence wasn't just in the pulpit. In fact, as I read the book and as I have read more biographically about Henry, um, his influence probably couldn't have come from the pulpit because some of the parishioners uh, in the churches where he spoke and where he celebrated Mass couldn't always understand him because of his accent. What was the influence? 
Um, yes, it's true. He did have a strong Dutch accent. But what's interesting about Henry Nouwen is that um, he had originally wanted to be a professor in Holland. And that, that was his ambition. It was his family's hopes for him that he would be a Catholic priest teaching in one of the finer universities in Holland. But he actually had more of an, an audience in the United States. And I think, you know, many historians will be discussing why that is. But, but one, one might, reason might be is that his, the, these questions of how do I live and the, the sort of the, the psychological approach to, to living was sort of touched into the zeitgeist of the moment when he arrived, which was around the 1960s. So there was a lot of ferment in, in the United States at that time, and, and people were reevaluating their, 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 their lives and morality and values. And, and Henry Nouwen spoke right into that, but he spoke into it, you know, very much rooted in the Catholic tradition. So he 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 was very much a Catholic, um, a Catholic, but he used that rootedness to then range very very far and wide. So he he didn't he didn't um, restrict himself in any way. In fact, he was a real. Um, I've always thought of Henry Nouwen as an artist. He had a he had a way of living that 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 resembled an artist and that he was, he was always looking for new images, new metaphors to describe his experience of God in our lives. So for example, at the end of his life, he was, he saw um, a, cir- a trapeze act um, with his father in 1991 um, in Freiburg, Germany. And while everyone else was watching a wonderful athletic performance or a wonderful dance in the, in the air, Henry Nouwen was seeing a reenactment of our relationship with God. He was seeing that that God was the catcher and we are the flyers and we can fly because we can trust that God will catch us. Mm. That's that's how he went through life. It was very he didn't he he um he, he had a, a mind that was very open and and constantly sort of looking for looking for the deeper deeper meaning in life. And I think that that really touched into a lot of a lot of um, what Americans were looking for um, in the 1960s and 70s. Do you feel, though, that as a uh, an academic with the background that he had, as vast as it is, in the world of psychology, uh, that he was also able uh, to permeate uh, the vagaries of the human mind and not just the spirit? Was that a part of his life? I think that that's what makes him unique in a way in that he could when even as a as a member of the faculty at a divinity school like Harvard or, or Yale he was he was able to to understand the sort of the psychology of the of the mind but he was also integrating that with the yearnings of the heart and so that is I think what really makes him uh, makes him someone that people are drawn to because because he would it wasn't as though we, we leave our intellect behind our intellect is fully intact and engaged but we also include what's happening in our heart which includes emotions which includes desires and motivations and he was he was able to to integrate these two so he had a some i think in some ways some people are you know 
very, very strong in the head, and but they're less they're less strong with leading from their heart, and other people have the reverse. Henry Nouwen seemed to have equal measures of both, and that's what gave him sort of a unique unique um, voice um, in the in the world, which I think is actually continues, even though it has been twenty three years since his death. For those of you who are regular listeners to the God Show, we love you dearly for your loyalty, but you might also be wondering why it is that we're talking about this author as opposed to talking to him. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, it's been 23 years since his passing. But what a life he has led and what a detailed life Gabrielle Earnshaw has been able to pass on to those who will listen because she's a historian and founding archivist of the Henry Nouwen Archives in Toronto, an advisor to the Henry Nouwen Legacy Trust for 18 years, and a consultant throughout the world on Nouwen's life and his literary legacy. What a life you've led. And in knowing Henry as you have over the years, uh, first of all, it's important, I think, to, to most of us to find out how that relationship began. <laughs> yes, that's a. I, I almost always dread this question because you know I'd love to give the answer. Oh, I was a, a you know an enormous Henry Nouwen fan before I, before I got this job, but it was it was the opposite. I I didn't know Henry Nouwen, but I was chosen to be his archivist because I was um, a good archivist, and. Um, but really, that is not, um, that really doesn't get to the truth of it. I was a good archivist for Henry Nouwen because even from the get go, even without having known him prior to starting to work for him, I resonated with his work right away. And um, one, one uh, experience I had that really set me on, um, on this whole mission is that I was asked to go to see um, that on, on one of my first days was asked to go to where his archives were still located at large daybreak where he had lived. And I was asked to go into the attic um, this, and it was July, it was hot. And I went into this attic and I was met with about a hundred or so filing cabinets filled with Henry Nouwen's papers. Mm. Um, and uh, at least half of these were letters that Henry Nouwen had received from his readers. And, 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 and all the people that you've mentioned so far, he had a, he had a, um, a wide ranging network of friends, including Fred Rogers and Richard Rohr and, and many, many others. And I, I was, um, I was just um, moved. I was moved by the by by Henry now and keeping these letters, but but also by the content of the of the letters of people writing and saying, I've just finished, you know, the wounded healer, and I can feel like this is going to change my entire approach mm, to life. Mm, mm. And and I and it was just letter after letter after letter of that nature of people saying, this book, your writing, your talk, your lecture has changed my life. I'm going to be different now, and. And I had been a seeker um, myself. Uh, I uh, all through my life, I um, was always wondering the same thing: Who is God? How is God present in my life? 
Um, how do I live in the context of God's presence in my Has life? Has that search the, taken place as a Catholic? No, that that is what makes me interesting, is that I was um, born and raised in a very secular household. In fact, a household that was could be could be described as anti-religious um, mm. and and yet within my own within my own soul within my own life i i had this sense that there was something more and i was searching for it and i and i and i looked for answers in the places that a lot of people look i looked in eastern religion and i looked in um you know philosophers and i looked in self-help books and i um but when I got, when I finally was, and this was uh, um, in my late twenties when I was hired as Henry Nouwen's archivist, I I began to see the beauty of Christianity and and how and how even though I still had my skepticism and my hesitancy because of my early upbringing, um, I could see how so much of Henry's teachings, which are based on the teachings of Jesus, were about my questions were addressing my questions how do i love how do i love well how do i how do i be in relationship with people and especially people that i don't like you know the, 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 those types of questions how do i how do i be a source of peace how do i be a peacemaker these were these were my questions and i was seeing that henry was addressing them and he had influenced a lot of other people um, in their in their search as well as such an authority on the life and beliefs and writings of another human being, Henry Nouwen, I'm going to ask you for a bit of conjecture. And um, since you have spent so much of your life devoted to examining uh, sometimes the nuances and the subtleties of Henry Nouwen, I'm going to ask you, with his... Intense involvement with Catholicism and you not having that relationship with the church, how do you think he would have responded to this period of time in the church and Pope Francis? Well, Pope Francis would have been um, a good friend of Henry's. And in fact, we we think we have heard stories that Pope Francis does um, does say that the return of the prodigal son is one of is a book that has profoundly influenced him. Mm. I think that they are confrere, if you want to put it that way. I think that he would that Henry um, would resonate with Pope Francis, and Pope Francis, um, I believe, resonates with Henry Nouwen. I think that Henry, um, I think that Henry, because he wasn't so. Um, I would say I would say he was rooted in his Catholic faith, but he wasn't tied to it. You know, he he allowed the spirit to blow where it pleased. That's you know, that's something that he would say. The spirit blows where mm-hmm. where where it pleases. And he would he would use that um uh phrase from from the gospels. And I think that he would be he would be listening. He was such a good listener. That's what I, I think we are we're most um missing right now with him having um, passed away 23 years ago, is that he would be listening to the anguish of many of our hearts. And he would then be able to, to use his, his psychological training, but also his, his, just his deep compassion to reach out into it. And I think it, it would be no matter what denomination 
or you know who whoever the person was and whatever they believed he had a, a he was deeply a uh, compassionate person and listening was so vital to his ministry he was such a good listener so i think what he would be doing right now is listening to people and sitting with them in their pain there are a lot of people in pain um for for various reasons um and and all of them are very um important and real and i think henry nowen how henry nowen would sit with with them and and listen and be present be present to that pain um not try to fix it not try to cure it not try to um you know come up with some fancy answer or a three step program i think that he would just he would he would be listening and 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 um and opening his heart in compassion i think that that's what he would be speaking about right now there in the subtitle of the book following jesus uh the latest publication uh the subtitle being finding our way home in an age of anxiety uh remind everybody by the way uh about the interesting origin of all of the chapters in the book following jesus sure um this this book i i found in the in the archives i I would I had as you as you mentioned I'm very familiar with Henry Nowen and his archives and all of the books he's ever written and I was in the archives one day and I found uh notes for this talk that he had given at Harvard for over Lent uh called Following Jesus and I I read through the notes and I thought to myself I don't think I've ever seen him speak about following Jesus in this way and and the way the the way he did that maybe i can read it out for for people sure the six the six um talk titles really struck me as as um pro- provocative i guess um because it sounded like they, it was a very it was a very sort of succinct way of speaking about um what it means to be christian or what it means to walk with god with god as a presence in our lives and so the first the first talk was called the invitation and in this talk he he wanted to really underscore for people that being a follower of Jesus is an in we are invited to be a follower of Jesus we're not we're not compelled we're not coerced we're not um this there's nothing um heavy-handed about it in the least um he for for Henry Jesus and God are extremely gentle and invitational and i think even as a first chapter it's a, it's a very beautiful almost relaxing chapter because there there is some parts of us that think that this has to be hard this has to be you know we're going to have to sacrifice we're going to have to um you know really dig into our willpower and 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 do this and and henry really wants to underscore for people that the first thing that jesus says is come and see come and see where i live be with me get to know me don't just take it for granted that you should be, you know, following me, get to know me. And it's a very invitational, gentle um way of of thinking about discipleship and thinking about how we can how we can um I don't know, prioritize our lives or prioritize who and how we live. Mm-hmm. And then the second talk was called the call. And in this one Henry Henry talks about 
um, when Jesus does say, come follow me. And what Henry wants to say here is that the, the, the come follow me doesn't mean just follow as an automaton, just you know, sort of um, just pull up sticks and, 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 you know, follow me no matter what. What he wants, what he's trying to say is leave the self behind, the self that is full of, full of uh, ego and full of, full of um, sort of, I guess what some people might call the false self, the, the false needs of the, of the self. And, and Jesus, as Henry sees it, is saying, come follow me. Leave your false self behind. Leave that self that's very, um, you know, scared and small and come follow me. Your life will have your life will have purpose. Your life will have direction. And I think that that's, a, that's something, when I read that, that I thought, this, this speaks to me. This speaks to me all these years later. I think it will speak to other people as well. Because we are, I think a lot of us are looking for purpose in our lives. What direction should our lives be taking? How do I make important decisions? And, and this chapter really does help us understand what Jesus meant by come follow me. And, it's, and it really isn't what some of us might immediately think of as, you know, having to leave our everything we love and everyone that we love. I think there's, there's, a, there's a deeper level that, that Henry was trying to um, point to, and that's about leaving the self, moving from a sort of a selfish preoccupation or a self-preoccupation to a God-centered life, to a life where we see ourselves in God and with God. And, and that, that changes everything, as Henry, as Henry says. I mean, that really changes everything. We then have, maybe then we have more capacity to love, more capacity to forgive, because we're not doing it just from our own, our own little self. We're doing it in the context of God's love and as God's beloved children. It's a very different way of going through life. But then he gets into um, the challenge and the cost. So the challenge is probably the most challenging chapter in the book. It's, it's about, it's really a treatise on love. And, and Henry starts off by talking about human love as being transactional, that we often give love, but we're actually also hoping that we're going to get something in return. We have a transactional way of looking at love. And he then draws our attention to the way that God loves, which is completely unconditionally. There is no transactional element to God's love for us. It is, it is like in the parable of the return of the prodigal son, where God comes running out to meet us. As soon as we change directions and, come and, and start walking towards God, God comes running out to meet us. That is the God that Henry now introduces us to or speaks about or who, who he knows himself, God as an unconditional lover. And, and from there, he goes on to help us understand what Jesus meant by love your enemies. And of course, this is the most challenging aspect of the Christian faith. And, and Henry even says, this is where the New Testament is really new. <laughs> because Jesus is saying, love your enemies as you love yourself, as you love God. And Henry helps us understand that we do that, we can do that, we can even aspire to do that because we're so loved ourselves. So we really have to nestle into or really, really find our and create those places 
and spaces in our lives where we can feel God's love for us, or we can at least listen for it and, and, and allow it to be, um, you know, really kind of create that silent, quiet, solitary, non-distracted place where we can hear God's and Jesus' small voice saying, I love you, I love you. And from there, we then have more capacity to love our enemies. A profound, and then, a profound introduction, though, mm-hmm. Gabrielle, as, as you are such a remarkable authority, not only in the life of Henry Nowen, uh, but also his works. Uh, because you've just given us a, a, a small preview but one in depth of the book following Jesus, uh, this collection of lectures. Uh, I wanted to stop you for just a moment because we also wanted to know about you and Henry uh, individually on a personal basis. And let me ask you to tell us a story uh, about one of the times, it doesn't have to be the first time, but one of the times that you met someone who personally knew Henry Nowen and how that went and what you learned from that person. Okay. You know, the first person that comes to mind is Henry's younger brother, Laurent Nowen. And I met one of the, one of the great gifts of this work that I've, that I've been so privileged to be doing for Henry now and is I've met these incredible people that he knew that the circle of friends um, that he had and his family. And I spent uh, actually four months in Holland living in the now family home. And that was because Laurent now um, had offered that to me and my husband for a sabbatical. What an extraordinary that, experience it, that must it, have it been. Is. It was, and I and um, and yes, that's that's worthy of a whole other conversation. But let me let me talk about Laurent now. And he, yes, so he he had been a very powerful lawyer um, up for for all of the time that Henry Nowen um, for all of his adult life, and while Henry Nowen was still alive, he was he was a lawyer in Rotterdam, and um, and he and he was a high flying lawyer, and very successful, very busy. And Henry would stay with Laurent and his family when he was in Rotterdam, but, but they, they had um, very little in common in terms of Henry Nouwen's interest as a, as a, in the spiritual life and Laurent as a lawyer. Um, they loved each other, but they didn't really connect on, on either of those levels. After Henry Nouwen died, Laurent what, received either a call or a letter from somebody from the Ukraine Henry had been in the Ukraine uh, two years prior. And at the time, he had promised a young man a typewriter. And when the, the, but Henry Nowen died in 1996 before he was able to give the man the typewriter. And so somehow this young man found Laurent's um, contact information and said, you know, uh, your brother promised me this typewriter. And I... Um, I'm wondering if you can get me one. And Laurent um, immediately said yes. And this was the the great sort of, um, this is what ch- utterly changed the direction of his life because what ended up happening is Laurent 
began to send and find more and more goods to bring to the Ukraine, the things that the, the Ukrainian people needed, especially um, people who have handicaps. So he was, he was continuing Henry's work um, that Henry had started in, in the Ukraine and especially with um, communities for people with mental handicaps, mental and physical handicaps. And uh, to make a long story short, Laurent then left his uh, career as a lawyer and began to do this full time. He, he um, was able to sort of rent enormous warehouses for, for things like mattresses and washing machines and computers and, and everything that the Ukrainian people want, were asking for. And he, he developed large convoys of trucks that would go and bring these goods to the Ukraine. And so on a very practical level, his life changed dramatically. But it's the interior, it's interiorly how it changed even more profoundly because he began to, and this is exactly how Henry Nouwen wants all of us to respond to his writing and teachings. Laurent started... Um, being interpreting for himself what it meant to be to walk the Christian way, and and so he he began his, what his sort of mantra now is is who's your Adam and what he means by that is that Adam was a severely handicapped person that Henry um, now and knew, and Henry had changed uh, uh, sorry Adam had changed Henry's life. And now Laurent was asking himself, who is my Adam? Who is going to change my heart? And I think, I think, you know, I think he met a lot of people in the Ukraine that became his Adam, became the person that set him on a different direction. But that's a, that's one of the most, um, I find that, I find Laurent's story incredibly inspiring. And, and also it, it shows me how, how each each person needs to find their own path to to understanding Jesus's teachings or understanding how to how to sort of walk walk in a way of compassion, which was Jesus's way. That's a very very deeply personal story too uh, that you told. I'm glad that you shared that with us. In your in your how many years now that you have been involved with the life of it's Henry? Nearly Nolan? nineteen. It's wow. nearly 19 now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does your husband, has your <laughs> husband ever resented having to share you with him? You know what? He hasn't. It's my mother who will often say, do you think you're going to do something different soon? <laughs> 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 um, and uh, I have to disappoint her and say, not yet. It doesn't seem like it's um, finished yet. I mean, I will. I, when I have a sense that my work is finished, I will, I will stop. But I, at this point, I, I don't, Feel like it has. In fact, I feel like Henry Nowen is is a very important voice for our world right now. I mean, his his emphasis on silence, his emphasis on having you know creating space for God, this emphasis on on um, trying to move away from me centered thinking to God centered thinking, or away from fear and moving to love. I think all of these. All of these um, themes in his life and writing are, are very relevant to what we're living right now in the 21st century. Isn't it interesting, though, how many moms, I'm thinking of all the people around the world who are listening right now to you, 
and thinking <laughs> themselves, how many moms say at some point to a child grown up, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> yep. Well, uh, my mother is so supportive in other ways, but this is this has I think this these tw- nineteen years have been quite um, incomprehensible. Now, um, uh, uh, the works of Henry Nowen that have been so influential to you and to so many are they as meaningful and as influential for non-Catholics and non-Christians? I would say they, they are absolutely as powerful and influential to non-Catholics. So to the, to the ecumenical community of, of Christians, absolutely. He's got a very, very um, large following among evangelicals. And this is the world over. This is in, in Korea, in the Philippines, in um he, he's he's very he's very popular he's we're noticing that there's a, a huge um surge of interest in him in the scandinavian countries um so but where i would say he he hasn't been able to um have as much impact on people who aren't who don't call themselves christian or who don't believe in god or who don't um i yeah even people who don't believe in god i I come from, as I've shared, a very secular family, and in fact, my almost my entire circle of friends are secular people. So, a lot of what I, you know, focus my life on is 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 incomprehensible to them. And I and sometimes I try to to bridge that gap and try because I do think that the, the themes that he that he's addressing, like I've been sharing, you know, how to love, how do I forgive, how do I how do I um, you know, even how, how do I divorce? Well, you know, how, how do I, the, these, you know, how do I live my relationships is so universal, but he was, and there's no, there's no way around it. His whole centering place was Jesus's teachings. But pragmatically, but pragmatically to you as someone mm -hmm. who has spent all of these years Inside this person's life, Henry Nowen, how has mm-hmm. he personally changed your life? Well, I think I think Henry Nowen is a person is is really relevant for people who have suffered a lot, and I I have to say that in my life I have suffered a lot. I've I've death has been a very constant companion in my life. I've lost my uh, I lost my father when I was very young, at two and a half. I lost my best friend when I was seventeen, and eleven years ago, I lost my my son, my my only son, um, to acute myeloid leukemia. Mm. And I would say that it is it is about how to live suffering that Henry has been the most helpful to me. So I think Henry Henry is not really for people. Um, whose lives are going swimmingly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really, I do think that there has to be some kind of crisis in your life, some kind of something that you just can't find your way out of. You're at the bottom. You're, you're, you, you know, you've, you've tried everything else. You've, you've read every other book, and and because he doesn't, he doesn't, and this is in, in following Jesus. Um, you know, the 
after the challenge is the cost, the reward, and the promise. And the, 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 the promise, the reward, is that, is that even through our suffering, we, are, we don't walk it alone. And that's, so as I said before, Henry doesn't understand the Christian life or Jesus or God as being able to take away our pain. But what Henry teaches us and has taught me is that I don't suffer my pain alone. That I, that I'm, that I, that I'm living in a universe and with a God who is present to me at all times. And, and that walks with me and is, has great compassion for me and suffers with me. So again, I also think that Henry Nouwen is for people who are ready to, to accept that there's no simple answers to, to life and to suffering and to the big questions. That in fact, there's a lot of paradox, a lot of gray area, a lot of unsatisfactory answers. But people who are um, ready to, to accept that and then live their lives from that place are people that often will resonate with Henry Nouwen. Um, and I think that that's, that's where I am. I think I, I think I read recently that he said that there's something even to a, a searching believer is as closer to agni- an agnostic than we would like to believe. But Gabrielle Earnshaw, you've, you've, you've developed such an intimate understanding of this man's life. Yeah. Do you think that he had a more intimate knowledge of Jesus than most members of the clergy? That is really hard for me to tell. I, I really don't know that enough members of the clergy to make a comparison. All I can say is that if Henry Nouwen were here, I think he would say that the, the most important aspect of his life was his relationship with Jesus, and it was keeping Jesus at the center of his life that was the primary focus of his life. He told a story um, often of uh, hearing two voices in his head. And one voice said, Henry, go out into the world and make it, you know, prove yourself, you know, make everybody proud of you. And, and this might have been his father's voice. And then there was another voice in his head that said, Henry, um, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your heart open to Jesus. And this may have been the voice of his mother. Um, and Henry lived, um, and I guess I haven't emphasized this enough, Henry lived a tightrope between these two things. Um, and that's why a lot of people can relate to him, because he, you know, he did become a, a tenured professor at Yale and Harvard and Notre Dame. And well, not he wasn't tenured at Notre Dame, but he, um, you know, he became extremely successful. He wrote 39 books. He wrote best-selling books. He was, he was, you know, flying all over the world, giving talks, very, very, um, you know, everybody wanted to hear or, or meet him or, and, um, but he, he then would, you know, he would leave it all. He'd try to be a missionary in Peru, or he would try to join the monks at the Abbey of the Genesee. You know, he was trying, he was constantly asking the question, where is God calling me? And I would say, in answer to your question about Jesus, I would say that Henry, Henry's one question was, how do I follow Jesus? How do I follow Jesus? And that's why this book now is so, um, I'm so glad to add it to his canon of books, because I think he really helps us understand what answering the call of Jesus really is all about and what it, what it takes. And so 
in summation, I would say one of my favorite books is Can You Drink the Cup? And it's a book about the Eucharist. And Henry Nouwen um, was, um, practiced the Eucharist. I, I'm forgetting the, the, the correct term, but he, he um, practiced the Eucharist every day of his priesthood. He didn't miss a day. And whether he was alone or with one person or with a group of a thousand, he was breaking bread and, and having communion. And so this, and because that was the centering point of his life. So I think that would be my answer. I don't know how that compares to other, other um, people in, in ministry, but it certainly was the, the centering point of his life. We only have an hour on The God Show to frame philosophies and directions and inspirations, and in this case, portraits, uh, a portrait of Henry Nouwen uh, as created for us by Gabrielle Earnshaw. But uh, I wonder if we could just simply fantasize for just a moment that uh, there's a listener to The God Show, let's say in uh, Sydney, Australia, and it's a Christian person who's been kind of intrigued by this conversation. You said nearly 40 books. Now, we've been talking about uh, following Jesus as the latest publication. Is there one introductory now in book that you would offer to that interested, curious listener slash reader? Okay, that is a, it's a very hard question because, um, you know, it really would depend on what's actually happening in that reader's life. But I, w- I would, I think a book called Life of the Beloved is a good place to start. It, it was published on the same year that he published The Return of the Prodigal Son. And of course, everyone should read The Return of the Prodigal Son. But The Life of the Beloved really is was Henry Nouwen's answer to a Jewish, a secular Jewish friend who said, you know, Henry, I love you and I love the way that you live and I'm, and, and, and I, and I, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a practicing Jew. I, and I, I I'm not going to become a Christian. How, can you write a book for me? And Henry Nouwen tried to, so he wrote The Life of the Beloved. And his friend, Fred, said, uh, no, sorry, Henry, this is still very Christian. And But, had, but Henry um, published it anyway. And of course, Fred was very pleased for him to do that. And, and but, so this is really is his answer to the question of, you know, who, who am I? And uh, who are we? You know, what is our identity? And it's a very, um, a lot of people will say that reading Henry Nouwen is like getting a hug. Um, it's a, there's something about the way he writes that 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 you just feel like I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Um, there's a loving God, and and I'm I'm loved by that loving God, and and I am I'm in the womb of this loving God. You know, there's there's something about the way he writes and expresses, and and I think what he's doing is he's experiencing he's writing to us how he experiences God. And so if you read The Life of the Beloved, if this Australian reader read this book called The Life of the Beloved, I think they might feel that same sense of um, release or relaxation that, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. I am the beloved. I'm not 
how much money I earn. I'm not how how many friends I have. I'm not how many degrees I have. I'm not how many, you know, just name it, you know, it, which is what society tells us we are. It's sort of, you know, we get our identity from what what we do or who we know or how much we earn and that kind of thing. And and Henry is saying saying, no, leave all of that and think about it. You are the beloved son or daughter of God. And God loves you unconditionally. And it's a it's a it's something that I think a lot of us struggle with, you know, the sense of unworthiness or a sense that we're not, you know, not quite making the mark or, you know, there's something that we're we're self we, we self-rejection is a is a big issue for a lot of us and i think that henry uses this book to speak into that and so perhaps this australian reader might like it <laughs> well let's come back to america and and uh and speculate as to whether henry nowen if he was alive today would have a more difficult time maintaining optimism and a positive outlook on life in general in this age of super anxiety. <laughs> well, you know what I can say to that is that in 1985, in this book, he, he's speaking about fear. And um, I was just absolutely startled when I read in this, in this chapter when he started talking about and how fear makes us build walls and then we, 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 you know, our walls can't be big enough and then we can't see the, you know, the stranger that we've, that we've blocked out with our walls. So then we put bombs on our walls because we, you know, we need to, maybe we don't know what our, what the, this person is doing on the other side. These people are doing on the other side of the wall. So now we have to protect the wall and now we get bigger and bigger bombs and then the bombs start, you know, and he, and this is, this is our world. This is our world. He's, he's describing our world. But what he was doing in 1985 was describing what he was experiencing and others were experiencing with nuclear armament. And so although, although we are living in extreme times with the global crisis, uh, the global, global climate crisis, which is very real, um, I think Henry was, you know, the fear of nuclear annihilation was, was, was a big anxiety, was a super anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that he would uh, likely continue to say the same thing, that as Christians we're people of hope, we're people of the resurrection, as he would say. Um, you know, we are the people that believe that that God is with us at all times, through sorrow and through joy. And one thing he talks about that's so beautiful is he talks about joy at the end of the book, and this is the reward, the reward for following Jesus. And joy is not something, is not the same as happiness. And joy isn't something that we just get, you know, we get joy for five seconds and then, oh, then we have to go back to our terrible lives. Joy happens in the midst of our sorrows. That is the Christian understanding of joy. And that joy, I love the way he says it, is a stream that is underneath everything it's a divine stream of joy and underneath everything even as i was holding the body of my son who had died there was a stream of joy underneath us there and 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 this is this is something that i experienced this is an undeniable thing think about when you go to a wedding and you're really really happy because you know you're seeing two people you love um 
get, you know, getting married, but you start to cry because there's something about there's, there's a connection between joy and sorrow and sorrow and joy. And, and I think that, so I think Henry, Henry would absolutely be speaking of hope right now. Um, and he, and, and I think that, and in fact, we can, we can still hear his voice on hope if, you know, reading his, reading his books and, and reading this one in particular, but I mean, there, it, this theme of joy or can you drink the cup? Like I've recommended um, one of my favorite books is about this as well. It's like, how can we, how can we live in this world of violence and destruction and, and fear and still, still be loving, still be soft, still be open And that's really our call. And Gabrielle Earnshaw, you have provided us the voice of Henry Nouwen. The latest book, the collection, is called Following Jesus. Her name is Gabrielle Earnshaw. And she's been a part of yet another visit, all of us together, on The God Show.